0: Okay, let's go ahead and take our Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 23. And before we get into that, <clears throat> this morning I thought I would also mention to you I'm going to bring a lesson to you soon maybe within the next week or two. But as as Bible believing Christians, most of us believe or think we believe that at the rapture of the church Uh, the babies go up with us. And that's fine, but why do we believe that? Why do we believe It's just sentiment. Uh, Is God sentimental? So we're sentimental, and we assume God's sentimental, and God will go along with it, right? Well, that's not how it works. We know that, don't we? So we're going to study what the Bible says and see what the Bible says, and make sure we understand what we believe and why we believe it. And, and by the way, I do believe the babies go up in the rapture. I believe uh, babies are, they're not saved, they're safe in Christ. We'll talk about that too. But we ought to know why we believe what we believe. Because I think sometimes we fall in the trap. You ever hear somebody say, well, you, you witness to them and they say, I don't believe a loving God would send anybody to hell. How many of you ever heard that one? Every hand should go up. Okay, we've all heard that one. All right, you know what that is? That's sentiment. Okay, I, 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 that's my sentiment, and I'm sure God's sentimental too, and, and he'll he'll go along with that. Well, we all know that's not true, so we want to know why we believe what we believe, and uh, we'll be looking at that real shortly. All right, Matthew, or excuse me, Luke chapter 23, and this is a story that I believe is familiar to most of us. We often refer to it as the thief on the cross, but I want to look at it from a little bit different angle this morning, and I think. As we do, this may be a real encouragement to some of you. In fact, uh, this is one of those messages. Sometimes you have a message that's just broad in scope, and you figure it applies to everybody, and uh, there are messages that get a little more specific. There's something here for everybody, but uh, there's a specific group that, that, that I'm hoping, by the grace of God, this will be a real encouragement to you. Father, thank you for your word now. Uh, it's just been great to be here already. Lord, I got my money's worth. Uh, the singing, uh, the special music, the fellowship, and uh, just just being here with your people, and knowing one of these days soon you're you're going to blow the horn and take us home. And uh, Lord, all the all the troubles of this life will be a, a distant memory, if that. So until that time, Lord, give us something. We need something. Help me to do my part. And then after that, get out of the way and so that you could do your part. And so I walked that tightrope this morning and uh, ask you to give me your wisdom. There's always more to say than I have time to say, so give me that discernment as well. And Father, in this room or uh, on live stream looking in or wherever, I know there's somebody that, that needs this message specifically. This, this is it for them today. They need this, and uh, just pray that you administer grace to their hearts, and, and just give them encouragement, specifically the encouragement that you were thinking of them today, and uh, we thank you that you do think of us, Lord. We don't know how you do it. We don't know how you cast uh, attention across such a span of people, but you do it, and Lord, when I'm with you, I, I, I could swear it's just you and me and nobody else, but you do this for so many all at once. You're, you're omnipresent, and we thank you for that. So please cast an eye upon us here now and be with us in a special way, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verse 33, and when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription was also written over him in letters of Greek, In Latin and Hebrew, this is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. Uh, You see the cruelty of the devil here manifested in so many different ways. But Christ is dying this painful death as the innocent one. And all anybody can do is to think of accusing him and challenging him and debasing him, and you see what's going on here. And in verse 40, But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation, and we indeed justly? For we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom, And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Now, this is a great portion of Scripture with all of the elements of the gospel in it. I mean, if you want to show somebody how to be saved, this is an excellent story to go to. I mean, this man, this malefactor, he admits he's a sinner. He admits he's getting what he deserves. He turns to Jesus directly and asks him, and Christ gives him assurance. I mean, think about it this morning. The Lord Jesus Christ, he, he died before the other two. And, and we know this because when the Roman soldiers went to break his legs to finish him off, they didn't have to. He had already died. And so Christ was waiting for this man in paradise when his legs were broken and he finally could no longer breathe, because on the cross, when those legs were broken, they couldn't push up as well as pull, and, and, they, and they would suffocate. And, and, and moments after his death, he was in the presence of God. Now, there's more to this, I believe, than meets the eye, because I want to consider something that maybe you've never considered. I want to consider the parents of this thief, I want to consider the parents of this thief. I want to suggest to you this morning that this, this man was, was Jewish. And, and I think based on some of the things he said, the evidence points in that direction. And if he was Jewish, he likely near, lived nearby and, well, if you are, you have parents, Right? All of us are here because of parents. And his parents likely live somewhere around there, may well have been at the scene here, somewhere nearby. It's a fair assumption. And you know what? It's very possible as they stood there, maybe at the back of the crowd, looking on, hearts breaking times through teary eyes, they may have saw themselves as a failure. They may have seen themselves as a failure. But I'm here to tell you this morning, based on the evidence in our story, that these parents weren't a failure. And I'm going to show you why. You know, we do the best to raise our kids for the Lord. We make no bones about it. We do everything we can to teach them to do right, and we hope someday, as when Elisha slapped that mantle down and said, where's the Lord God of Elijah, they will do the same thing someday. Coming into adulthood, I'm always so encouraged when our kids turn 18 and they join the church for themselves. That's always an encouraging thing. Uh, up to that point, as, a, as a, a, a sort of honorary member of Treasure Valley Baptist Church, they've been on their parents' coattail, but they've made that decision. We, we, we hope they do that. that that's what we, we raise them in that direction. But consider this situation. Capital punishment, obviously for some capital crimes, had to have broken the hearts of his parents They had to, at times, have have thought to to themselves that that other people, maybe in the community, might have looked at them as failures. They might have thought to themselves that maybe the neighbors did. You know, the public can be cruel. The public can be foolish. I always think of the disciples with the blind man in John 9. They they asked the most genius question. Lord, who did sin? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. I think if I'd been the Lord then, I would have taken them all for an IQ test later. Him? He sinned. That's why he was born blind? So, what did he sin in his pre existence? Did he sin in the womb? Yeah, he was having wild parties in his mother's womb. I mean, But the public can be foolish, they can be irrational, and they can be cruel. Maybe they met with a certain amount of disdain in the synagogue. Certain assumptions are often made. One preacher one time said it wasn't very far from the high chair to the electric chair. And so people ask, who's to blame? How about this one? Who's to blame? How about the devil? How about if we blame the devil? That'd be a good place to start. How about if we accuse the accuser? And so, perhaps at the foot of the cross this morning or somewhere back in the crowd, there was a mom or a dad or both with broken hearts. And maybe they thought they were a failure. But I want to suggest some evidence this morning that suggests that they weren't. I want you to look at verse 40. Look at verse 40. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, the other answering rebuked him, saying, does not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? Do you know no parent is a failure who teaches their child to fear God. Now, the other guy didn't fear God, but he did. Where did he learn that? Where did he learn that? You know, a lot of Christian parents I have found spend a lot of time beating themselves up over things their kids do, sometimes while they're young and when they get older, and you know what? You end up losing your joy. The accuser of the brethren will tempt you to quit. Let me ask you a question this morning. What did Samuel do wrong? His kids didn't turn out right. You can't find any evidence in scripture. Brother Jack Wood used to say Cain and Abel had the same parents. But no parent is a failure who teaches their child To fear God. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. The best nutshell definition I can give you of the fear of the Lord is living life in light of final judgment. And he learned this at home. He didn't didn't learn it in the God-hating humanistic public schools. I was reading an article the other day. There are public schools around the country. I don't know if they're doing it around here, but they have uh, gender transition closets now for the kids. They can come to school, change into their trans clothes, wear them during the day, get back in their regular clothes at the end of the day, and go home, and mom and dad will be never the wiser. How's that for supporting the family? He didn't learn it in the military. Probably didn't learn it on the job. Probably learned the fear of the Lord at home. Mom and dad took him to the synagogue. And you know, verse 40 is a real miracle because he rebukes the other thief. Now, at first he didn't. In fact, in Matthew and Mark, the Bible says that they, both the malefactors, cast the same in Jesus' teeth. So at first, these men were in league. Perhaps they were both convicted of a a crime that they committed together. Partners in crime, we would call them. But they part company here. He rebukes his friend. Folks, this thief separates himself from the other, which is unusual for criminals on death row. Because even if the criminals were enemies during their lifetime of crime... When walking down to get executed, the other death row inmates will encourage the one who's going to be executed, for the death row binds them together in the same predicament. I see this as a real evidence of God's grace. you know, the Bible says, Paul talking about himself, he said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Don't ever say that anyone can't get saved. As long as they're they're breathing, there's hope. God saved Madeline Murray O'Hare's son. History tells us (coughs) that God saved Joseph Stalin's daughter. I've read David Berkowitz's testimony, son of Sam. I believe he really got saved. The Bible says he's able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by, by him. But no, no parent is a failure who teaches their child to fear God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of Wisdom. He probably watched his parents say grace at mealtimes. He was probably tucked into bed many a time with a bedside prayer. He probably spent time with his family in in devotions. No parents of failure teaches their kid to fear God. Number two, look at verse 41. Verse 41, And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward Of our deeds. Secondly, no parent is a failure who has taught his kids there are consequences for doing wrong. Unlike Cain, who said, My punishment is greater than I can bear, this man said, We indeed justly, we're getting what we deserve. I deserve this punishment. Boy, we live in a a generation that uh, doesn't like to buy into that one anymore. It's always somebody else's fault. You know, one of the things you can do when you're raising your kids to help them with this is when you say, you do this, this will happen, make sure this happens. Amen. Amen? Whatever it is, on a punitive basis. This generation has a problem believing that. He was taught you have to pay for wrongdoing. He was taught the law of reaping and sowing. And he must have learned this before he left home. And God brought it to his remembrance. Whatever you do when your kids are growing up, don't let them manipulate you into the idea that every time they get in trouble, Someone else is always the bad guy. If it keeps happening again and again and again, and the common denominator is your kid, time to think it through a little bit and realize you may be getting worked. Now, I realize you have impeccable discernment, but it's possible you're getting worked. I heard a preacher say one time an old this was an old timer he's gone home. He's gone home to be with the Lord. He said he was in a meeting in a country church and they were having a revival and this old gal stood up this old grandmother the gal stood up and she started requesting prayer for her wicked godless hellbound son to the whole congregation. And you know where that wicked, godless, hell-bound son was? Sitting there right next to her where she was standing. You know, I, I think part of our problem these days is we've gotten too squeamish. We're really just too worried about everybody's feelings. But adults have volition. Adults have volition your kid does something wrong when they get older, stand for what's right, but give it to the Lord and move on. And don't let it, don't let it rob you of your joy because they're responsible for what they do. And this man knew it. He understood it. And I think he learned it from his parents. I, I want to show you another one here. Look at verse 41. Here's another thing. Look what he says at the end of the verse. He said, but this man had done nothing amiss. You know what this shows? This shows tenderness toward the suffering of others. And where did he learn that? I believe kids learn that at home. Can can I say something to you? And I'm looking for the right word here. Girls can be this way, but little boys can be this way too. Uh, it's okay if you want your girl to be a princess. I get that. That's all cute and between you and your, your girl or your granddaughter or whatever. But don't let your little girl be a snot. You know what I'm talking about? I guess that's the word I'm looking for. I think we all know what a snot is. All right? I don't have to define that. If a little girl is a snot, can I tell you what's probably true about her mother? (laughs) Snots beget snots. No little girl has to be a snot. You can teach her not to be. And if she's got something on somebody, then... Teach her how to just thank God that she's blessed. Not be arrogant. You get what I'm saying? And and this man somewhere learned to be tender toward the suffering of others because he's recognizing that Jesus didn't deserve what he was getting. This man had done nothing amiss. Teach him to be kind to the handicapped. Teach them to be kind to those less fortunate. I told you, sometimes conservative people and even Bible-believing Christians, we can be a little dismissive about that. But do you realize a lot of us are only a couple of bad decisions from being poor? Teach them to be kind to the poor. Teach them to be kind to elders. Hold the door open, stuff like that. Marks of the end times is is people being hard-hearted. The Bible says, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. I think of our country. Uh, The latest statistic I got was right at 4,000 babies a day dying in America from abortion. And of course, Roe v. Wade is out there in in the open and all the discussion and all that. But our, our country is is evidencing hard-heartedness. And it's up to us to teach our kids not to be hard-hearted. And the best way to do that is to leave a good example. When you go to a restaurant, leave a good tip. And if you're not going to leave a good tip, please don't leave a track, especially if it has our address on it. (laughs) Tender. Tender toward the sufferings of others. Here's another one. Take a look at verse 42. Take a look at verse 42. And he said unto Jesus, <clears throat> Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. You know what he knew? He knew the story of Jesus. He knew who that was. He knew that, he knew that God had a kingdom. And, and he wanted to be part of it. I believe his mom taught him that. I believe his dad taught him that. And, and maybe mom and dad had seen some of the miracles. Maybe he had seen some of them. But he sure knew there was a Messiah. And he would have a kingdom. And God brought back to remembrance things that mom and dad had taught him about Isaiah 53. In Psalm 22. And there he was on that cross. And and what a service. Pilate rendered to that man when he put that superscription over Jesus in Hebrew and Latin and Greek that this is the king of the Jews. The man up there suffering traumatized in pain, knowing he's living his last moments on this earth. And he puts two and two together. He realizes who's there, and he looks at that that, that inscription above him. And he says, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Teach the children when they're young. We have these baptisms. We have these testimonies of these children. Aren't they great? And some of these kids come up with some of the craziest stuff, but it's great. Their hearts are tender, they're so honest, it's so raw. Surveys I've read show that the vast majority of people get saved when they're very young. And I believe he was taught these things when he was young. And Jesus made a way for him to be saved. Lastly, I want you to look at verse 42. I want you to look at verse 42. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. I'm here to tell you fifthly that no parent is a failure who teaches their child that when you're in trouble, pray. When you're in trouble, pray. Pray. The thief asks the Lord, remember me. A better example of salvation we won't find anywhere in the Bible. Here's a man that's admitted he's a sinner. Here's a man that's paying for his sins. Uh, And by the way, here's a man that can't get off the cross and join the church. Here's a man that can't get off the cross and get baptized. Here's a man that can't get off the cross and do good works. But he turns to the Lord. And he says, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. My, my, my. (laughs) He knew what to do. He'd been taught these things at home. His mom and dad had brought him to the synagogue. Now, if you'd have gone to the synagogue where his mother worshiped and maybe asked the rabbi about the thief's mom, maybe he would have said she failed. Like I said, people are often cruel and judgmental. Maybe you'd have gone to the neighbors. Maybe some of them would have said the same. Relatives? Do you know what? These parents might have lived the rest of their lives with their heads down, not feeling like they could serve God, like they were some kind of failures, not knowing what transpired between their son and Jesus on that cross. They had no way of knowing. Yet they weren't failures. They may have felt that way until their last breath. That mother may have drawn her last breath and closed her eyes, feeling like a failure, and then opened her eyes in heaven and seen her boy there. They had no way of knowing what had transpired between him and Christ. You put what they need in their hearts when they're under your care. And God will use it. God will use it. You keep praying for him. You don't give up. You stay on the porch with the prodigal's father, who every morning, when he got up to get his cup of coffee and went out on that porch to have devotions, looked down that long lane. Waiting for his son to come down because he had been praying that his son would come back. He stayed on that porch. Don't let the devil tempt you into giving up. That prodigal's got to have somewhere to come back to. And you finish your course. You finish your course. And lastly, don't let the devil rob you of your joy anymore. Look, look, we're all going to look back and say, there's some things I've done different. We're all going to look back and see as parents things that were failures of ours, And you know what 1 John 1, 9 says? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Did you hear that last part? And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if you look at some of those things and you see them as sin before God, then confess them and then move on. And look, let me say this, too. If you're so blessed that all of your kids have grown up and they're doing right, then give all the credit in the world to God, answered prayer, and his grace. And don't get arrogant about it. And you pray for those kids that, to your knowledge, aren't doing right, and be a blessing to those other parents. But whatever you do, don't be arrogant. Because there are only one decision from blowing it. I like what I heard a guy one time. This guy was a preacher. And I called him, and I got his voice message, and it was around Christmas time. And he said, my name is so-and-so, and if I don't pick up, leave a message, I'll call you back as soon as I can. Merry Christmas, and thank you for not sending me a Christmas letter chronicling all the achievements of your children. <laughs> Did you ever get one of those? About uh, five pages worth. Every piano lesson the kid ever had. But you get the idea. We're all in this together, amen? And we need to be a help to each other and have tender hearts toward one another. And realize if our adult kids are doing right, it's by the grace of God. And it's in spite of a lot of our mistakes, amen? And let's be a blessing to one another. But if you got someone out there in the far country, child or a grandchild, don't give up. Keep praying for them. Keep doing right. And you probably did a better job of raising them than you know. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, and we thank you for this story. There's so many things in it. There's so much everywhere in the Bible. And uh, just a wonderful book. But I just pray this morning that some parent out here in the congregation or looking in and And, Lord, the devil's been beating him up about this thing. And, Father, frankly, that's what the devil does to all of us about everything. Lord, if I listen to the devil, I've never preached a message that was worth anybody's time to even listen to. He does that. He's an accuser. And sometimes he's got a lot to work with with us. But we thank you, Lord. We thank you for 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, help us to apply that in our lives wherever it's needed, whenever it's needed, and then go on knowing that we've been cleansed of all unrighteousness and that our joy might be restored. And we might walk with you in confidence and in victory. Now with our heads down, not defeated, not shuffling our feet along like a bunch of zombies, but you might put the bounce back in our steps. And just take this message and do whatever you need to do with it, Lord. It might be a help to somebody this morning. Father, we pray for anybody within earshot, whether they're here in this building or looking in. They don't know Christ as their personal Savior. Help to see, Lord, this is a perfect example of what they can do. Admit to you that they're a sinner. And their their sin deserves punishment, Lord. May they be willing to turn away from that sin and trust Jesus Christ as their crucified, buried, and resurrected Savior. I look forward someday, Lord, to meeting this man, the thief on the cross, arguably the first one saved as a result of the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to go from this place and tell this story everywhere we go. The thief that went to heaven. Thank you for your grace this morning. We thank you that Paul could say that he was the chiefest of sinners. But in him, Lord, you set a pattern, a pattern of long-suffering. And it's manifest in the lives of so many of us this morning. Help us to go from this place rejoicing in it and imparting it to one another. Help us to pray for one another, lift each other up, and be an encouragement to one another. We look forward to your soon return, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and take our hymnals and turn on number uh, 492,
1: 492. Bless me not, O gentle Savior, hear my plumb.
0: Let's bow our heads and be an attitude and spirit of prayer while the instruments are playing and some have come up to pray I want to I want to do this right now our heads are bowed our eyes are closed and maybe you got a child you got a grandchild it's gotten away from the Lord you want to pray for them right now that's that's fine maybe you don't have anybody in your family but you know somebody else it might be somebody here this morning and, and they got a child or a grandchild away from the Lord, would you pray for them? Would you pray for them right now? Pray for dad and mom, pray for grandpa and grandma. Pray for that child, that adult child, or, or could still be a youngster. Would you pray for them right now? Lift them up to the Lord, bring them to the throne of grace. Plead for them like they were your own. And ask God to do something. Ask God to do something. Do something for those parents to encourage their hearts. Do something for that child to bring these things to remembrance. Like this man had all these things brought to remembrance in the hour of his death. May God bring these things to their remembrance even now. Let's take a few moments here and let's pray. Let's be a help to one another here this morning. Let's pray. Father, please hear our prayers. He said, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We have a high priest, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's upon him and his merit we come with these requests this morning.
1: on the second verse. Let me at the throne of mercy find a sweet relief kneeling there in deep contrition help my unbelief Last verse. Thou the spring of all my comfort, more than life to me. Whom have I on earth beside?
0: see you out there would you please come here and close us in a word of prayer father we sure are thankful for you all of us are here because of you what the pastor said today you paid for our sins that's what that's what gives us our confidence that's what brings us here today we pray God that as we leave here uh, like the pastor said just about a a tip at a meal it's a testimony God help us to be a testimony to all around us God as the world gets darker in our country Uh, actually turns to darkness, our light should shine brighter. God, if there's somebody that is in here that hadn't trusted you or somebody watching that hadn't trusted you, let them think about it all day, God. If there's a wayward child out there, a wayward Christian, let them never enjoy a Sunday out of church. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen.